0: This is a crowd podcast.
1: The most famous rock star in the world, the greatest showman, a god in this new universe. But Jimi Hendrix doesn't look like that now, doesn't feel like that. He's in the garden of a bedsit flat, Notting Hill, before anyone wants to live in Notting Hill. When you rent there because you can't afford anywhere nice. It's a warm September afternoon, perfect blue skies over London. The last days of summer stretching into early autumn, And he's tired, can't sleep, can't stay awake. It's 1970 now, four years on from when he first came to London from New York. An unknown kid with wild ideas, no money, no visa. 1966, when London was the greatest place to be in the world, if you were young if you loved music and clothes, if you made music and clothes. Now he looks around at this tiny garden, this shabby flat, and he thinks, hasn't it all gone so fast? Because London's not the same anymore. Not swinging, but fraying around the edges. Heavier music, harder drugs, those young kids looking fried. Like they had the answer to it all right in front of them. And it's all slipped away. He's been gigging forever. Always another concert, another crowd to please, another city, another night. He's had the flu since he can remember. Headaches, struggling to breathe, no energy. When you stroke his face, His skin feels dry. When you touch his hair, the great, beautiful mess of ripples and kinks, pieces break off in your fingers. So the world's changed, and he's one of the big reasons. The way he plays guitar, the noises he gets out of it. Melodies, sure, but twisted and stretched out, screams of feedback, distortion and sweet purity mixed up together in some mad holy brew it's made him the best paid musician in the world more per gig than elvis than the stones and what's he got to show for it no home no investments maybe twenty thousand dollars but that's all due to the tax man his manager's doing well he's got houses investments millions stashed in banks in the bahamas The ones with no branches and no cashiers and no questions asked. Jimmy, he's got court cases piling up. A contract dispute. A paternity claim. He's got girls everywhere. Two who both say they're engaged to him. Some who stay for one night. Others who don't even stay that long. He's having strange dreams. Except, this is 1970. After years of smoking weed, then dropping acid, then snorting coke. So you don't call them dreams, you call it astral traveling. Where's he been traveling astrally? To ancient Egypt, to the courts of Queen Cleopatra. And what have they been doing there? Having sex, fetish sex. Okay, so now he Sits in this cramped little garden. High walls all around. Buttons up his pale blue jacket. Wraps a blue and white scarf round his neck. Strums a few chords on his black Fender Strat guitar. Can't find a tune. Can't find a new song. And the paranoia grows. Who's watching? Who's listening? Who wants money now? He's been in Morocco, done a tarot reading. And when he asked about his future, the card they turned over was death. He's been counting down the days, sort of joking, laughing about it, sort of not. I've got eight months left, six months left. Who's listening? The FBI, for starters. There's a secret operation compiling files on leading black figures, looking for dirt, for ways to bring them down. And who's watching? The CIA, among others. A surveillance program on what they call subversive figures. If there's a national emergency, whatever that means, they can round suspects up and put them in detainment camps. America, the land of the free. Because there are no rules in this game. It's not about what's normal. It's about breaking through to the other side. You try everything. You push it all as far as you can. Live it up and burn it down. The singers, the songwriters, the musicians, the models, the politicians, the cops, the secret police, watching it all, new gods in new universes. This is death of a rock star, Jimi Hendrix. It always felt like it could only get better for Jimmy. The long struggle to be heard, the sudden explosion when the world finally discovers him. Playing backup guitar in a little bar in New York, being spotted by the girlfriend of Keith Richards, getting a manager from England who loves him, who believes in him. The first big night in London at the Baganelles nightclub. Everyone there, John Lennon and Paul McCartney, Mick Jagger, Brian Jones, Pete Townsend, Eric Clapton. Blowing them all away with the way he plays. The noise, the fury, the beauty. Playing the guitar behind his back, playing it with his teeth. All those other heroes lost in admiration, disbelief, jealousy. The first few singles at the start of 67 Purple Haze about LSD, Hey Joe about a murder, the first album, a title and a question, and a secret cold, all at the same time. Are you experienced? His performance at Monterey, the first big rock festival, standing there in a yellow frilly shirt, tight red trousers and a headband. Screams of feedback, distortion and sweet purity, smashing his guitar, burning it like a pagan sacrifice, playing Woodstock as the one act everyone wants to see. Staying awake for three days straight, emerging in a white leather jacket with long fringes on the arms, a red headscarf, playing a version of the star-spangled banner that sounds like there's guns firing and rockets overhead. Money coming in. Money disappearing. But it all falls apart, even as you build it up. The songs coming slower. The albums taking longer to record. Hangers on in the studio. Whiskey and cocaine. The producer quitting cause no one's doing any actual work. His band splitting after being so tight. There's something the bass player says when they're meant to be in the studio. He says, the first day, nothing happened. The second day, no one showed. The last day, I just watched it happen for a while, then went back to my flat. Here's how weird it's getting, what it's like to live with no rules. Jimmy wants to build a new studio, but he says to the architect, I don't want any right angles in there. So the walls curve. The windows are round. Someone paints a huge psychedelic mural. And it all takes twice as long and costs twice as much as anyone's planned. You want another example? Jimmy buys a thoroughbred horse. He doesn't ride. In fact, he makes a rule. This horse can never be ridden by anyone. Instead, he names it after his second album. That's right. A horse called Axis Bold as Love. He says it responds to colours, not sounds. And he reckons it emits a purple haze like a third eye. The gigs aren't triumphs anymore. There's one at Madison Square Garden and Jimmy's so lost, he just sits in a dressing room with his head in his hands. He plays the New York Pop Festival, except he's done too much of too many things. He can't speak, can't play. It's a mess, and it's getting worse. So he sits there, in this little bedsit in a part of West London no one wants to be in. Thinks about how much he's drinking, what he's taking, thinks of all the things he's trying to forget. How his dad used to hit him, how his mom drank too much, how he hid with his little brother in the cupboard, tried to protect him, try to lock all his feelings away. Nothing is normal. Nothing stays the same. His dad's born with an extra finger on each hand. They say that's the mark of the devil tie silk cords around the fingers until they shrivel and die and drop off. And then they grow back, stunted and stranger still. It's in the family. He has four other siblings, all with disabilities, all sent into institutions. His mother, she dies of a ruptured spleen when she's 32. They miss her funeral because the dad's drunk. When the kids cry, he gives them shots of whiskey, tells them to toughen up. You know that feeling when someone's looking out for you, when you can give them a call if you're ever in trouble? Yeah, Jimmy never has that. Never anyone he can properly trust. When he's in his early 20s, he's trying to make money in the black clubs in the South. They call it the Chitlin circuit, as in, Chitillins. Pigs' intestines. Because that's what they serve you in these places, all fried up. Here's how Jibby describes it. Bad pay, lousy living, and getting burned. You've got to perform on the stage. Put on a show. He backs a stripper called Pantera, who works with a snake. Sees someone playing guitar with his teeth and thinks, I'm stealing that move. But you're not getting rich here. And when he plays guitar on someone else's hit record, he gets $10 for the session, a packet of fags and a burger at Denny's. When he goes to New York, he sits in cafes all day just to keep warm. Holes in his shoes, no winter coat. Paying 50 cents for a glass of water and eking it out for hours. And when he makes it big, (sighs) okay, We need to talk about his business manager. This guy starts with two clubs in Newcastle. Both burned down in weird circumstances. He gets the insurance payout on both, and that's only the start. He has a casino, gets done for fixing the roulette wheel. He keeps accounts so he looks legit, but if you want to read them, good luck, because they're written in Russian. We'll come back to this man, this guy with a Colt 45 in his desk drawer, who may even have been a spy before this music business. Who knows, people? But maybe it makes sense why Jimmy's always drinking, why he's always looking to get somewhere else. Maybe it makes sense why it all comes out now, the anger, the violence. Why a mate says when Jimmy drinks, he turns into a bastard. The acid, you get visions. You want to turn those visions into music. But how can you when it's all in your head? When it's just messed up brain chemistry? There's drunken fights on tour. There's hitting a girlfriend with a vodka bottle. Gigs abandoned after three songs. Gigs ended by Hell's Angels storming the stage. So he's back in London with no one to trust, nowhere to turn. His bass player's an old mate, but even he's lost his mind, probably after the business manager spiked his drink with acid. He can't speak, let alone help. So Jimmy checks into a hotel, calls a German girl he met once on tour, says, you wanna hang out? Okay, we need to go for a quick ad break, but we'll be back in a minute to tell you about Jimmy and this girl, Monica Dannemann.
0: Hello, I'm Katie Puckrick. I've got a podcast called .com, the documentary series about the people of the Internet. And I just want to let you know that Series 2 is out now. It blasts open the door on Reddit, the front page of the Internet. It's kooky.
2: To me, Reddit is one of the last bastions of actual communities online.
0: It's sinister. Reddit has really always prided itself on being the mirror that it holds up to society, right? That... Society has a lot of imperfections and messiness and destruction and violence, but there's so much good there as well. It's some of the biggest, most shocking stories of the century.
2: I was raised in a fundamentalist Christian family. I feel like every time there's some big scandal going on, Reddit is
0: 100% a contributor and an antagonist to it. Just search for .com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe now. Hello, Rockstar listeners. It is Tom here. Now, I'm one of the writers on the show and was behind quite a few of the episodes, ones like George Michael, John Lennon, Donny Hathaway and Otis Redding. I wanted to tell you quickly about DistroKid, who we've partnered with to provide Rockstar listeners with a special deal that we think you will love. Are you a musician and wondering how you can get more bang for your buck with your music? Well, get yourself on Distrokid. That's D-I-S-T-R-O-K-I-D. Distrokid is revolutionising the music business. It's the easiest way for musicians to get music onto places like Spotify, Apple, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, well, you name it, they can get it there. You get unlimited uploads, you'll enjoy more features than any other music distributor, and you'll get to keep 100% of your earnings. Here are just some of the things that it lets you do. Okay, easily pay your collaborators with a special feature called splits. Send huge files to anyone with their InstaShare feature. Make mini videos to use on your socials. And stop sneaky thieves stealing your music and using it without your permission with their DistroLock feature. There's also an app where you can see your DistroKid account in one place. Check your Apple and Spotify stats and withdraw earnings. The DistroKid app is available now on iOS and Android. So head to the Apple Store or Google Play to download it. And here is the best bit. They're offering you guys a special deal. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash death of a rock star to get 30% off your first year. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash Death of a Rockstar, for 30% off your first year. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than
2: Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurwitz, and -and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every
1: Monday. Welcome back to Death of a Rockstar. This is the story of Jimi Hendrix. Right, meet Monica. She's 25 years old. A nice skater, blonde, slim, so far very Jimi. Very rock god. Does she care about him? She's definitely obsessed. Tells everyone they're getting married. Gets a flight to London, rents that little bedsit flat in Notting Hill. This is how Jimi Hendrix will spend his last days. And this is the last person who'll ever see him alive. It's four stories tall, the Samarkand Hotel. A grand Victorian building halfway along the curve of Lansdowne Crescent. Split up and subdivided, gone cheap, and painted dirty white. There's a black iron staircase down from the street to the garden. That's where you'll find Jimmy. In the afternoon. Late, out of bed, bags under his eyes, ready to sleep again. They hang out, him and Monica. Do rock star things. Drive to Kensington Market, pick up a leather jacket. Go to an antiques fair. Get more old threads. Get invited to a little afternoon party. Weed and wine. A rich host. These good-looking girls, he knows. This is where the confusion begins. Where the stories break apart in your fingers. Monica is the jealous kind. She thinks Jimmy's spending too much time with the other girls stands up and screams at him. You fucking pig! You don't want attention when you're smoking grass, don't want the police coming around when you think they're watching you anyway. So they try to calm her down. More wine, more weed. It's close to 11 at night when they get back to the bedsit. Monica makes them spaghetti or fish and chips. The details change when she tells her stories. Jimmy wants to sleep. Can't sleep. Asks Monica to drive him to another party a few miles away. He goes in. Takes a speed pill. Something they call a black bomber. The stuff that fueled Hitler's blitzkriegs. The stuff that keeps you awake and twitching and angry. Monica's not invited. She just sits outside in her rented car. Rings the house intercom. Demands Jimmy comes out. Gets told where to go. It's 3 a.m. now. Monica's in the street, shouting. Jimmy's angry. Other guests are yelling out the windows, go away! Jimmy sighs, gives in, goes out and gets in the car. They drive to the bedsit. Go down the black iron stairs, dew on the metalwork, dew on the windowsills. Now? Now we're in Monica's hands, in her story. Here's what she says. She makes tuna sandwiches. He can't sleep. You don't after a black bomber. He asks for one of those super-strong sleeping tablets she's got. She says no. At least, she says she says no. They sleep. She wakes up somewhere around 10, sees him lying there in bed next to her, goes out to buy cigarettes, comes back, and he's unconscious. Now it all speeds up. She phones Eric Burden, lead singer of The Animals. Another rock god, a man who tries everything, pushes it as far as he can. You know the line in the Beatles song, I am the walrus, when John Lennon's singing about the Eggman? That's Eric Burden after a groupie cracks a raw egg on him when he's naked and eats it off his, well, anyway. This morning, Eric's half asleep. He says, Jimmy's just stoned. Give him black coffee, slap his face. He puts the phone down, thinks about it, calls her back. No, get an ambulance, and flush all those drugs, the weed, the pills, everything down the toilet. The official emergency log shows an ambulance is called at 11.18am. It arrives at 11.27. There's two of them in the crew. Reg and John. London lads. What do they find? The door wide open. The curtains drawn. The gas fire on. Hendrix is alone on the bed. He's covered in vomit. Black and brown. Red and dark. On his face. On the pillow. Down his chest. On his pale blue jacket. On his blue and white scarf. Monica? She's nowhere to be seen. They check his airways. Blocked. They check for a pulse. They shine a torch in his eyes. Nothing. They're back in the ambulance, racing to the hospital. It's 11.35. They take him into the resus room. Work on him hard. Pound his chest. Blow into his lungs. Nothing. His skin's blue and his face is cold. Just after half past twelve, they stand back. It's over. He's gone. It's all a mess. The hours and days afterwards. The stories that come tumbling out. Suicide. That's what some are saying. Overdose. That's in some of the papers. Monica? Her story twists again. She says Jimmy took nine of her sleeping tablets. The normal dose is half a tablet, so he's taken 18 times the recommended amount. The inquest says, in stark legal terms, the cause of death was clearly inhalation of vomit due to barbiturate intoxication. But because it's Jimmy, and it's the 70s, and there's paranoia and doubt, and people watching and listening, other stuff comes out. There's a panicked clean-up at the bedsit. Maybe before the ambulance gets there. Maybe before the police. Maybe it's Eric Burden, people he knows. There's a roadie called Terry the Pill. He gets caught burying drugs in the communal garden. The police get it all on camera. Watching. Listening. Monica does an interview a few years on, says Jimmy was murdered by mobsters, poisoned by the Mafia. She doesn't say why. The guy who hosted the party, the one where she was screaming at Hendrix, he says he thought Monica might turn violent. Hence, it's her. There's another theory about the business manager, the one with the Colt 45, the accounts in Russian, the millions stashed in the Bahamas. He dies three years later, a plane crash over southern France. There's still those who tell you he staged his own death, that he's alive and well somewhere living off everyone else's money. That's for another time. This theory comes from another roadie, a guy who was around the scene, who knew the manager from years back. He says the manager owed money to the mafia, says he knew Hendrix wanted to ditch him. So he got some contacts from back in Newcastle, got them to come down to London, had Jimmy killed so he could cash in two million quid's worth of life insurance. The roadie's promoting a book. The story gets the book a lot of publicity. And who can argue when both the bloke who's accused of the murder and the one who's supposed to be murdered are both dead? Sometimes the truth is simpler, more boring. You don't mix booze with downers. You don't need many downers to go down too far, and if you're already half broken, ill, exhausted, and you push it even further, there's one thing everyone knows for sure. No one wins in all this. As the new gods fall, as the new worlds fall apart, as Janis Joplin overdoses a month later, as Jim Morrison dies in the bathtub less than a year on. Monica. She kills herself in 1996, poisoned by carbon monoxide in her own car. It's two days after she loses a court case against another of Jimmy's girlfriends. Because there are no rules in this game. You try everything. You push it all as far as you can. You live it up and burn it down. This episode of Death of a Rockstar was written by Tom Fordyce and performed by me, Elroy Spoonface Powell, Spoon the Voice Guy. It was edited by Crawford Blair. For research, we read Wild Thing by Philip Norman, Starting at Zero by Jimi Hendrix, Are You Experienced by Noel Redding, and Crosstown Traffic by Charles Shaw Murray. The music we use is from BMG Production Music, but if you want three songs to listen to, start with Purple Haze for the opening, go to All Along the Watchtower or maybe the greatest solo of all time and finish with the Star Spangled Banner live from Woodstock, done like no one before and no one since. Or if you'd like another podcast to listen to, try our episodes about Janis Joplin or Jim Morrison. Thanks for listening.
0: crowd network a place where you belong
1: hey everyone this is tuck from fit for a king in off road minivan every week i bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast get tucked join me every monday with bands like counterparts crystal lake like moths to flames and many more we play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.
0: The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is
2: a rock and roll
0: city for sure. the down! the wrath of the buzzer. W-M-M-S The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now, wherever you get podcasts. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan.
2: And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep the corner of Gray Street.